This is episode 71, Making a Real Connection with Cami Moss. Welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. Better Screen Time is a company that is focused on helping families teach children and teens how to use screen time, devices, and tech in a healthy and responsible way. They give parents tools to help involve their family in creating a tech-healthy family. Visit betterscreentime.com to learn more. We hope you've listened to the intro about the four areas that we're covering to help you in your goal setting. The church that we belong to is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they came out with a new youth program. We think that this program is so genius because it really is just giving you four areas to help you in setting goals and becoming a well-rounded person. The four areas that it suggests are intellectual, spiritual, physical, and social. And today we are talking about social with our good friend, Cami Moss, with the Real Connections podcast. Cami, we're so excited to have you, and you are the person for this since your whole podcast is about connections. We love it. Thank you guys so much. It's such an honor to be here with you. We adore Cami, and she actually is who invited us to a podcast retreat where we started really creating connections with other podcasters and it's been really valuable to us. Um, but Kama, you've dedicated your entire podcast to connection. I've really enjoyed your new season all about connection. Will you explain to us why you dedicated so much of your focus on connection? Sure. Um, there's actually quite a few reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is that connection is being lost. I don't think that we really realize it. In my own life and the people that I interact with, I just noticed a lot more people telling me that they felt lonely. And I thought, why is that? Why in the in the area, in a world that we are so connected more than ever, the internet, people can travel anywhere that you want to in less than 24 hours, you can literally be across the world. And we are just disconnected. I believe that Sane has basically created like these imitations or these fakes for connection. And so you can be on your phone all day and feel like, oh, I'm totally connected. I have 800 friends on this social media Mm -hmm. and a thousand on this. And I got all these likes and all these things. And for a second, your brain feels like it gets this dopamine rush, right? And you feel like connected. That's also a connection hormone, but it's the feel good hormone. And so for a second, you might feel connected, but then you're left lonely because you're not really connecting in a face-to-face way. And so I just realized where are people losing this connection? And I realized it's people have lost connection with themselves. So many people don't even take the time to be quiet and know who they are. They've lost their connection with God a lot of times because they don't feel like it's as important. They've lost their connection with their family because they can be around their family and feel like, oh, I'm around my family and we're connected, but really not have many conversations or meaningful conversations. And the same thing can happen with friends. You can be in a group and say, these are my friends, and you can all have your phones out and be texting. And that's not just for teenagers. That is very common among adult circles as well. And so I just realized 
wow, so many people are not connected. And how do we get back to that? How do you reconnect with yourself, with God, with others, and really feel fulfilled? Because I think you can have success and you can do all these different things in your life, but unless you have connections and relationships that mean something in your life, it's all empty. Don't you feel like all of those areas are important though for social? Like it's not just about the external connections. Don't you think that the internal connections and the connections to God are really, that's all involved in social. Absolutely. They're all intertwined. Like if you don't have a connection with yourself, how can you connect to other people? If you don't love yourself, you can't really love people deeply. If you don't know who God is and who like whoever you call that, your greater being or whoever, you can't really understand yourself. So they're all like this web of connection, like between the, the different genres of connection, but it's all a big, it's all kind of like a big puzzle, but you have to have all the pieces together. So I think it's like a lifelong pursuit, but I think at the end of the day, really all we have is connection because I, I mean, I've had a lot of loss and a lot of death in my life. And then I work, worked as a hospice nurse. And you realize very quickly in that industry that people have regrets or they had a very fulfilling life. So I either had patients that said, oh my gosh, like, look at all these family around me, all these people that love me and have rallied me my whole life. And they are so rich with connection. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where they've been estranged from their kids or they don't have any friends or everyone's kind of left them. They dedicated their life to something else. And that wasn't maybe necessarily important to them. And one of their biggest regrets is not making those connections. Mm -hmm. And it's probably one of the saddest tragedies of a life that I've ever seen because they realized at the very end that the whole meaning of life was lost. I can see how that experience for you would completely shape how you view life and why you started this podcast about connection, how incredibly important that is. Yeah, it, it really is. And, it, and for anyone that's lost anybody, I think that you can connect to it on a certain level. And I think most of us have but you realize what you couldn't say to somebody and you wish you could. That relationship, it continues, but in a different way. You can't get those five minutes you wish you had back with somebody. So live without regrets and be able to connect now so that when people die or when people move on with their life, like they'll know what, what they meant to you. And that's a huge, I feel like for any of us, knowing what we meant to somebody is a huge boost to our self-esteem and like makes us such a better person and shows we show up differently in the world. So beautifully said, Cami. I do want to reiterate something you said. And it's the fact that we are surrounded by people all the time, but we can still feel lonely. We are really wanting to work on how to create that great first impression and a connection with someone right off the bat. And we're hoping you can help give us some suggestions for that today. Absolutely. And again, these are skills that you should take with you and will take with you throughout your life. So it's so worthwhile investing now to build those. Okay. So the first thing that I would say is first you have to introduce yourself. And a great introduction that I found that works really great for me is I haven't met you yet. What's your name? It kind of like makes them feel really special. Like, wow, they noticed me. They want to know my name. Honestly, people's favorite sound in the whole world is their name. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get their name and not only hear their name, but use it in the conversation, it makes them feel special and actually creates the bond a lot faster. And then becoming great at asking questions, specifically questions that are open-ended. So the who, what, where, when, how, but 
some of the ones that I really like to use are what kind of music do you like or what's your favorite movie? What do you enjoy doing in your free time? All of these things can really start a conversation and find some kind of a common ground between you because if you figure out that they like country music, you're like, oh, I do too. If you don't like country music and they say that, you don't need to say that you don't like it. You can be just curious. So this is such an opportunity for you to just almost put yourself in an interviewer role. This is your entire role. You don't need to have an opinion about what they like or don't like. You can just be curious about it. Mm -hmm. And it's actually really fun to develop that skill because then you don't have to worry about having a conflict, right? If you have an opinion and they say they like country music and you hate country music and you say that to them, now you've just, you're very off-putting. Mm -hmm. People don't really want to talk to you. You can just be curious about that. I think you hit it on the nose saying to find a common ground. Just one thing. You can build an entire relationship on one common aspect, even if you are just not alike in any other way. Totally. And that's why I think it's so good when you're asking these questions to look for clues. So if this person's been introduced to you by a mutual friend, you could say something like, hey, how do you know Sam? And then they could let you know about the story of how they met Sam. And then you can kind of tell your story about how you met Sam. And that is your common ground. Mm -hmm. You both know Sam. That could be really great too. Also in a school setting, I think you have so much common ground, right? Like, what classes are you taking? Oh, you're taking English from Mr. Davis? Oh, he's great. I love him. Or that's the worst class in the world. And then you have, you know, something that you can grasp onto. So that's so important is to just find a common ground. Yeah, you just have to be creative with your questions. Yeah, you do need to be creative with your questions. And it actually makes you really stand out when you are creative because so many people don't get creative with their questions. It really kind of makes an impression in their mind if you do that. They start thinking that you're really interested in them because you're engaging. You should be interested in them. If you're, there's so many things out there. It's actually really interesting. There's so many things out there that say, be interested, act like you're interested. And you really don't have to act like you're interested if you really are interested. <laughs> That's true. So, I guess I said that. Oh, no. no but We so want them people, to believe it because you are. You are interested. Because you are. But I think that that's a key piece that so many people are missing is because they really aren't. They're just going through the mechanics. But if you're really interested and you want to know about them, it'll show. Yeah. You can feel the difference in how genuine someone is. For sure. The next thing is once you ask somebody something or question, then listen. So this means listening with your eyes and your ears. I don't know about you, but I've definitely been in conversations where I've been trying to talk to somebody and they've been multitasking or have been on their phone and I don't even know what to do. Like yeah. I just kind of trail off and usually end up walking away because they're clearly not engaged in what, what I have to say. And it's such a nonverbal signal to me that they don't really want to talk to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so don't be that person. Be that kind of a person that your eyes are on them. You're totally focused on them. You're not wrestling papers. You're not on your phone. You're totally into them. And it, like I said, if you're really interested in them, that will come naturally. And the next part of actively listening is clearly with your ears, trying to understand what they're saying. So, so much of the time we're focused on what am I going to say next? What am I going to say next? And most of the time, you really don't need to think about what you're going to say next if you're just listening to them. And then again, you're curious. 
well, why do you like that? Tell me more about that. That's always a great one. Tell me more about that. Or a follow-up question like, oh, I didn't know about that. Could you tell me more? So things like that really, again, drive home that you don't want to just like have a one-word answer conversation. You really are like, wow, you're an interesting person. Because you're an interesting person, I want you to tell me all about that. You're clearly more of an authority on country music or on this movie genre than I am. Tell me about it. And that automatically puts someone in the, wow, I'm special and important, which again is very important when it comes to this bonding thing that's happening, even in a first conversation, because people, when this happens, you can actually walk away from a conversation having listened most of the time, barely said anything, and they think that you're their best friend because you are interested. And that's what you want to do. But these things, the less talking you can do, and the more asking you can do, honestly, is better for a first-time interaction especially. I think that that's really natural to want to have something in common that you're like, oh, what can I say that makes it so that we're connecting? But really just getting them to feel like you're interested is that connection. You don't have to feel the same way about it. You don't have to like the same thing, but you can use that tool. Yeah. And if you do find something that, you know, like maybe your favorite movie is their favorite movie and you discover that you could say that for sure. And then that can take it in a different direction. But oftentimes with people, you won't find that they like this exact same things that you do. And so that's when I default to just a curiosity mentality. Can we talk a little bit about awkward silence? I want to know what your view on this. Is it okay just to let it ride and sit there and quiet? Or should you try to fill that silent void? Because I struggle. I struggle with awkward silence. I have to fill it. I'm just a talker. I need some <laughs> advice on this. <laughs> now, I honestly think you just got to read the situation. When you're reading the situation, you can kind of feel if you've been talking to somebody for a while and then there's kind of this big lull, you can kind of feel like, they are giving off a certain vibe. If they are, have been engaged the entire time, maybe just ask a different question or ask a follow-up question to a question that you just had asked. And it's always good to have like, I have several in my repertoire that I just pull out in case of those things. Like, what do you do in your free time? Or if you had three, this is kind of a random one, but I do ask this to people. <laughs> if you had like a million dollars, what would you spend it on? <laughs> like, like it, it's very insightful. Like those questions, if they've been engaged that far in the conversation, they'll probably just roll with it. Like they might be like, oh, that's an interesting question, but they'll roll with it. But then there's the other situation that you need to be reading. If they've been giving you one word answers, kind of seem preoccupied and not very interested, they haven't really been making eye contact with you, then you could try one follow-up question, and if it just falls flat, then I just usually say, it was great getting to know you. I hope that I see you around. And then I just walk away. Really, I think just kind of, that just kind of comes with like being a little bit more socially savvy, but when in doubt, ask one more question that's open-ended, and if they're not responding, just end the conversation politely and walk away. And some people are more okay with just calm and quiet. Mm -hmm. Like I believe my husband is. And sometimes in the car, I'm just like, D -d 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 -d. and then I just, oh, well, maybe I should let there be a moment and let someone else start a conversation too. <laughs> yeah. I love that you say that though, because I think that 
there's sometimes it can be vague, right? Like if someone's really introverted, they might really enjoy that you're talking to them, but they are giving you shorter answers because they're self-conscious. Yeah. And so that's why it's kind of good to throw them like one of those crazy questions. Like, what would you do with the million dollars? Because if they go with that, then I think you kind of, you know, you're back in the game. You're like, okay, <laughs> this was, we're back on track. They're just probably introvert or shy. But if they're not, then maybe walk away. But then you can always, you can always follow up again a different time, right? Like this is not just a one shot. You can always try again at a different time. Or even sometimes I've asked friends when, when conversations have gone that way, I've asked a friend of that friend, is that, is she just shy? And mm-hmm. if they're like, oh yeah, she's just shy. Then I'm like, okay, then I'm good to go yeah. next time. You know, maybe but if, they were just, like you said, going through a hard situation, a rough day, and you can just try again another time. Totally. Specifically though, I'd love to talk about a couple of examples I think one thing that's really difficult for teens and can be really difficult for adults to connect with teens is, is just meeting parents of your friend or having that kind of connection with adults to connect quickly because you're not doing the same things. That's very easy in school, I think, but it's a little bit more tricky. So do you have any suggestions for speaking with adults and trying to make that connection and maybe why that's even important, why you should even try? Why it's important, if we just start there, I think that it's always good to have another adult in your court. You never know, especially as a teen, you don't know what situations you're going to run into or situations you're going to find yourself in, and you might not feel comfortable talking to your parents. And to be able to have a different adult where you're not going to get in trouble, you can bounce things off of, you can get advice from, I think is always a plus. And the second reason is that later down the road, they might be willing to help you out, like maybe hire you for a job or refer you to someone that has a company or give you a letter of recommendation. So if you have that relationship and they get to know the real you, that weight of an adult in your life who knows you holds quite a bit of weight in all of those different situations. Totally. I was just thinking though too, is just for the immediate future, you might be able to hang out with your friend a little more often if the parents of your friend actually enjoy being around you. I know that's how my parents felt about certain friends. And if they felt like they were a pleasure to have in our home, they were welcome anytime. Where if somebody really acted like maybe shy, they would think that they really just didn't like them or that they were rude. And that's the impression that comes off if you ignore the adults that are around you sometimes. They just don't know how to read it. So. I actually love that because I think that, that that is so, so true. If my kids have friends that are talking to me and I understand them and I know them, I'm like, yeah, bring them over for dinner. But if they're the ones that are not talking to me, I'm like, I don't know about that kid. <laughs> so yeah, such a good point. But how to go about meeting parents. I think so much of it is starts with the nonverbal stuff because oftentimes as a parent, I'm going to want to initiate a conversation with my kids' friends for sure. And so, so much of what I'm reading in a social situation where they come in my house and my kid says, hey, mom, and then he has a trail of three friends after that, how they're responding to me. Are they looking down and like awkward trying to avoid eye contact? I don't know. Even like the way that they're standing, are their shoulders just slouched down and like they're just totally want to keep to themselves. I'm a lot more likely if someone walks in my house with confidence and their shoulders back. Hey, Mrs. Moss, how is that going? 
something like that, I feel like, oh my gosh, they want to have a conversation with me. So I'm reading those nonverbal things. But again, saying something like, how's it going, Mrs. Moss? That's such a simple phrase, but it shows initiative. It shows respect. And it shows that you're actually like invested as a person. As a parent, you have a lot more confidence in your kids' friends that have those traits, right? Once you do that, I also think you can pay a genuine compliment. We've all met people that are cheesy and like they come up with stuff. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But like if you genuinely thought you look really nice today or like your house is super clean or John says that you bake the best chocolate chip cookies ever, anything like that totally wins you brownie points with that adult. But again, shows them that you're very invested in wanting them to talk to you. And really once you get past a few of those levels, I think for most parents, they are going to take the initiative and the drive and be so invested in wanting to talk to you about you. Because as parents, we're like, who are our friends hanging out with? What are their parents like? What are their families like? We want to know that stuff. I don't think it takes much effort at all with parents, but you do have to make the initial first effort for sure. And then past that, past a genuine compliment, as you like get to know them a little better, I think it's good to look for clues. So maybe you see a family picture on the wall of like them at Lake Powell, or you see like a painting of a religious something on their wall and you can ask them about that. Or maybe they're wearing like the dad wears a Lakers t-shirt. Ask about those things. Oh, how do you like the Lakers? How are they doing this year? Or if you have something to say about that, go ahead and say it. That kind of starts to build again. Like it builds the repertoire with them and just really builds the relationship. The last one, after a, a while, you know, you're like you're building this relationship. I think one of the biggest compliments as a parent is when your kid's friends ask for advice. So like that's huge, like such a big thing. And it doesn't even need to be like that big of a deal. Hey, Mrs. Moss, I'm really struggling with my mom. I kind of mouthed off to her today and I feel really bad, but I don't know how to go back and talk to her about it. Like anything as simple as that, the fact that you want my advice, like, wow, I totally want to talk to this kid. I want to give him my advice and I trust him because Mm -hmm. look at, he's trying to be a better kid. And it's really cool because I didn't have parents like this in my high school, but my husband did. And they went to their friend's house. His friend's mom was named Teresa. So they always called her Mother Teresa. And they're like, hey, Mother Teresa, how's it going? (laughs) And she had the best relationship with them. And they still talk to her. They still ask her for advice. And my husband's 36. And she just was such a great mentor for them. But so much of what she, she was the initiator of that. But then they're also the ones that are coming and doing the follow-up work, asking for advice, which has also built that relationship too. And I would say as an adult that I truly want teens and younger people to be friends with me. So it's really like, it doesn't take a lot of effort. You're so right. And they'll be excited that you paid them attention. They're just wanting to make sure they're not bugging you a lot of times. So if you pay them a little bit of attention, they'll come a long ways to helping build that friendship. So. So true. And I love that you brought that up because I think, at least for me as a teen, I always thought when I'm an adult, then I won't have these, you know, these awkward things or these social things. It just seems like everyone's friends and everyone knows everyone. And that is just not true. Like adults absolutely are in this loneliness category too. So like I 
saying, if you can develop these skills, they will serve you so well throughout your life. One of the basic social skills is just helping people to feel important and seen and validated. And if you can just even develop that, validate someone's feelings without telling them how they should feel, that is a skill that 85% of the population does not have. And so you automatically put yourself out there and you become like a friend magnet. People want to be around you because you're the type of person that they can say anything to and you'll sit in it with them and just they're okay with who they are and don't have to give them unsolicited advice. Such beautiful and valuable information here, Cammie. I love being able to develop this part of our whole personality being push to grow the social aspect in our life is so important. It helps to connect to all of those four areas. Truly it does. When we build one of those, it really affects everything. So thank you so much for sharing about this topic today. It's so wonderful to hear some of your insight. And this is something that you're very naturally gifted at. So I love kind of hearing your takeaways. So thank you so much, Cammie. But we want to ask you before we let you go, the question that we ask all of our guests, which is, If you had any advice to give your teenage self, what would you tell yourself? Yeah, I love this question that you asked because I think it's so insightful. The thing that I would tell my teen self is that I have so much more power than I realize. What I mean by that is as a teen, just as a human being, but I think especially as a teen, you have so much power to influence people for good or for bad. When you do the littlest things, it can make the hugest impact. So often, teens walk around on this thing that we call the invisible stage. And it's not just teens, it's actually most of the population, but in teens, it's more prevalent where you feel like you're constantly on stage when you're not, where everyone's looking at you, when you have the spotlight on you, and everyone notices every little thing and every little flaw that you do or that you say. For a lot of teens, and for me, I knew that was really a hindering thing for me, is that I didn't say things. I didn't say hi because I felt like everyone thought I was dumb. Or I didn't go out of my way to sit by that person that was alone at lunch because I wondered what people would think of me. And really, I didn't realize that the power that I had, if I could just say those that simple phrase, hi, and give a smile to anybody that I knew in the hall, And have no idea how that would impact them. Because I know every time someone did that to me, it was so powerful for me. So, so powerful. And so I just would really advise myself, use that power that you have for good. Go out of your way. Make yourself a little bit uncomfortable because you have no idea how amazing you can make someone feel on the other side. Cammie, before we let you go, where can our listeners find you? We love your podcast so much. It's so awesome to hear the different ways we can connect with others. So many great topics. Where can they find you? Oh, yeah, sure. Thank you. You can find me on Instagram at Real Connections Podcast, and you can also find me on my website at realconnectionspodcast.com. You are such a beautiful conversationalist, Cammie. We are so lucky that we got to learn from you today. Thank you for your time and for coming on Becoming. Oh, thank you guys so much. It was such a blast to be on your show. If you want better tools to help you become the master of your device again, turn to Better Screen Time. 
They have tons of free resources and research to back up their incredible courses. We have enrolled in their new online course, Creating a Tech Healthy Family. It comes with videos and discussions to have with your family, as well as so many printable tools that you can keep and use forever. The course has been so inspiring and incredibly doable. This is the perfect course for you because it is judgment free and will help to walk you through designing your own tech healthy family. We put a link in the show notes to give you access to one of our favorite free resources from Better Screen Time. It's a list of 100 totally screen free activities for kids and teens. Check it out.